Thank you so much, choir. Kevin and Eddie, beautiful job this morning. Thank you for helping us to worship. You think about the words of a song like Psalm 23, and what a great encouragement it is. Open your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. I would ask you as you turn and find your place to consider in your heart and mind this morning, are you burdened about what's really important? Now think about what's been on your mind already today. Much less think about this past week. What what was on your mind? What were you thinking about the most? We have some really important things to do as God's people, followers of Christ, the church. I, I don't think we've seen a time, any of us who are alive in this room this morning, I don't think we've seen a time when there was as much difficulty and as much at stake as what is at stake right now. I just recently read an article, and they were using some of Barna's recent statistics, George Barna saying that in our 20s and 30s age range, pretty much the millennials, only 28% of this age group in America believes that the Bible is the Word of God. Now that's startling, that's hard to absorb. Now some of us who've been around for a while, we've, we have a few years, and for us it's like, doesn't everybody believe the Bible? But we have a generation that's coming behind us that has a rose that only 28% of them, ages, all of those who are in their 20s and 30s, for the most part, 28% of them believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Three out of four of them believe all religions and all religious faiths are of equal value. It's kind of a syncretism. We're all the same as long as you believe and, and as long as you're sincere, it doesn't really matter. Again, it, it seems that to me it's not so much an economic crisis that we're facing. It's not so much even a, a war crisis that we're facing. These are legitimate concerns of ours today. But more than anything else, we are facing a spiritual crisis. We have a little bit of time with those who follow Christ now to impact the generation that will follow us. Genesis chapter 8. Stand with me as we read this chapter together this morning. Beginning in verse 1. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and of all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens were restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot. And she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. 
Then the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark. You and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease." You may be seated. When I think about Noah on the ark, I think there are times in all of our lives maybe when we feel forgotten. After all, life isn't fair. Things don't always turn out like we hope that they would. And some people seem to have it better than we do. And once sin entered into the world, everything was thrown into chaos and turmoil and difficulty. Genesis 3 changed all that was happening on this planet. Not only changed what was happening on this planet, but it affected the way that we think. It affected the way that we feel. It affected the very inclinations of our heart. And so oftentimes we think bad thoughts about God or bad thoughts about others. And we, we ourselves have bad thoughts and The confusion seems to drive us and the deceptions and the thoughts more than our love for God. Now think about that. Our love for God is what should be driving us. Loving him more than anything else. Have no other gods before me, he said. Do not make any graven images before me. Do not even misuse my name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I mean, God intended for us to love him. He knew that that's where we would find joy and purpose and meaning because that's why we were created, to know him and to enjoy him. Out of his generosity, he made us. But yet, remember... We all go through times and difficulties when maybe we feel forgotten. When you think about uh, Noah being on the boat, we see in chapter 7 and chapter 8 a 150-day period being mentioned. I think 150 days is a long time. You think about five months. It's a long time. Now, God uses time to teach us and to train us and to grow us and to show us how much we need to depend on him. If we're not careful, though, the enemy uses time and gives us a different perspective to make us doubt and to discourage us. 
and to try to make us depend on ourselves. So what God wants to use for good, the enemy tries to use for evil, but even when the enemy tries to use it for evil, those who follow Christ, God uses that for good. But time, it keeps marching on and Chapter 7 talks about Noah going on the ark seven days before the rain. And then it talks about the 40 days, 40 nights of rain. And collectively, that 40 days and 40 nights ends up being 150 days when this water seemed to have uh, its rain on earth. And to have this level above everything. And so it's not just 150 days, but think about that multiplied again. Another 150 days, another 10 Uh, Five months of that water receding as we see in chapter 8. It's going away and and then 70 days later, them actually exiting the ark. So it's not just 150 days, but you think about at least 370, most likely 377 total days over a year on that ark. It's a long time. What I would say to you this morning as we move toward our first point, is that God's sovereignty is no small thing. He has a plan. He's in control. I think as we walk through these steps, not only am I struck with the historicity of the text as each detail is listed out and what day, what happened, and all the details as God revealed them. It's, It's a pretty amazing thing. But we also see God's sovereignty. God's at work. He has a plan. He's in control. And where it kicks in for us is faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen, right? And it's this faith that the people of old received their commendation through. And so today, God still expects faith from his people. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And and in this time that we're waiting, all of this time, sometimes it's that waiting that God is calling us to exercise our faith, to learn how to lean into him. God is sovereign. He's in control. And when you look in verse 1 of Genesis 8, it's a statement that maybe it's worth circling in your Bible, but God remembered Noah. Now, God never forgets his own. This doesn't mean that all of a sudden Noah was out of God's mind and and, and then 300 days, a year later, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I forgot all about Noah. He's on that boat. But sometimes, don't you feel like that? Hey, God, I'm still here. I'm still praying. I'm still, I'm still hoping. I'm still, I still have my faith. Don't forget me, God. And in our own humanity, we feel distance. We feel forgotten. And I can't help but to think that Noah would have felt some of that about himself. But, but you would never forget one of your children. Now, you might by accident because you're human. Uh, I remember one time uh, I was at home and my wife had already gone to church. This was years ago in another church setting. And so I thought one of our children was with her. She thought one of our children was with me. And so when we meet up at church, we say, where's Gloria? And so I jump in the car and I, I run home and it all turned out okay. She's still all right. 
We're human. We do forget, but God never forgets. He knows everything. And even when it says he forgets our sins and he remembers them no more, it's not like that God just whitewashes his brain and doesn't remember. It's that he doesn't hold it against us any longer. He has a plan and he's moving to the next thing in our lives. And in this case, God remembered Noah. It was time for the next thing. God knows exactly where you are and he knows exactly what you're facing. God knew exactly where Noah was in that boat. He knew where that boat was on that mountain range of of Arafat. God knew all of that and God had it worked out to the day and the hour. God knows you. He knows your name. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on in your life. I love that about the story of the Israelites when, when they had been there a long time in Egypt. And God said, I've heard them crying. I know what they're going through. I've heard them crying out and I'm coming down to help them. I've got a plan. I haven't forgotten them. And in this sense, God never forgets his own. But what is God doing? God prepares his own. Most of the deepest, cleanest, clearest productive work happens in us in the waiting. You see, if everything was just going along according to plan and we were busy, we we may forget God. We've got it. We've got it, God. We're, We're doing our thing. And then all of a sudden, when God puts the brakes on and we're having to wait a little bit, it, oh, I need God's help. I don't know what to do next. I I don't have this figured out. I can't clean this up. I can't get that accomplished. I can't fix this one. It's out of my hands. It's beyond my pay grade. So God's preparing us. Now, sometimes when our kids are small and they don't understand there's a plan and dinner's coming. And you know what they do? They go and they stand at the counter and they want a snack. And we know that's not good for them. And, and, you know, they can point and they can cry and they can do everything else. But, but we as good parents, we don't cave, right? We hold out. Say, dinner's coming. It's going to get here. Well, well, in that same sense, there are times in our lives when we've got we've to put on our boots and get with it. Stop whining. Stop complaining. And do what God's called us to do. You see, that's faith. Whenever we begin to be like the Israelites and we get in our grumbling and we get in our whining and we get in our complaining, we're like those kids that God says, well, they never grow up. Oh, you of little faith. God's always preparing his own. He is working. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is sovereign and he's working. As a matter of fact, God may be saying, I think this person needs to wait a little bit longer. Have you ever felt that about one of your kids? They want something and they're begging and they're asking. I'll tell you what, I think you're going to have to wait five more minutes because you're begging and whining and complaining. You know, you're, you're, not, you're not trusting me as your mom or your dad. Hebrews chapter 5. It's an interesting portion of Scripture, isn't it? Flip over there for just a second. Let's, let's look at this together. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 For though by this time, and time's always interesting in Scripture, and you hear this because these Hebrews had been believers for a while, for by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. 
You need milk, not solid food. And I wonder if sometimes God's saying, I'm not going to let you move on to the next thing until you grow up a little bit, until you learn how to trust me. And when you learn how to trust me, then I'm going to take you on to the next thing. Noah's on this boat. He's been there a long time. God's doing his work. God's doing his work in the world. Some of it Noah didn't see. God, Noah was... Noah was aware of God's work. God had already told him what he was going to do. But Noah on the boat, most of that time was probably in darkness. And it was covered up. He wasn't seeing all that was happening. He was aware of a lot that was happening. But God was doing his work all around him. And it was time for Noah to take the next step. And God remembered Noah. When we're waiting, it's an important time to be in a position to listen. I can't tell you how important it is that each day you spend time in God's word and say, speak, for your servant is listening. That's what you do when you open up the word of God. And those who are following along the church reading plan, we've moved into Luke. You can catch up really easy. A chapter a day, we're in Luke, and we're going to just keep moving through the New Testament. But it's like God... I'm your servant. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. God, speak. For your servant is listening. When you open up your Bible, you're saying, speak. For your servant is listening. Look for what he's saying. Look for what he's doing. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Nothing's happened in your life that he's not aware of. Nothing's going to happen in your life that he's not aware of. Don't ever lose sight of God's sovereignty. Even when things nationally, internationally, locally, whatever it is, God is sovereign. He's in control and he's carrying out his purposes. He's carrying out his plan. And Noah had to take some time to pull aside, to be in the ark as God was doing his work. And now God is getting ready to give him some instructions. Let's look at the second point, your responsibility. Notice in verse 6. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven, went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. And so Noah took the next step. He didn't see, took the covering off so he could release this raven. And the raven's just flying back and forth. There's no really nowhere to land. So he takes a step. And as you read on through the text, he took another step, sent a dove out. And this dove flew but came back. There was nowhere to land. And then he sent the dove again. And it came back with this freshly plucked olive leaf. A sign of life. A sign of new beginnings. God was doing something fresh and new. God had remembered Noah. And Noah Out of responsibility, out of obedience, he's taking these next steps. The walk of faith, that's what the walk of faith is. I don't know how tomorrow's going to turn out. I can't tell you how things are going to be in a year or five years. But I can tell you today, our job is to be obedient to what we know to do right now. It's the walk of faith. We don't want to be forgotten. None of us want to be forgotten. But let's make sure we don't forget God. And the waiting should turn our eyes up toward him in dependency and in looking to him and listening. The walk of faith is do what you know to do right now. All he knew to do was send a raven out. Then he sent a dove out. He was taking those next steps. And some of you are going through some really hard times right now. 
take the next step of faith that you know God has instructed you, all that you know to do right now. Because that, that does lead to more revelation. God, typically, as we're obedient, shows us more. And as you move into verses 13 and following, you see the words of faith, especially verse 15. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Go out. Now, I'm not sure exactly how comfortable the ark was. In some ways, I would think when you heard those words go out, it's like opening the door and the kids, you know, just running out of the house. The dog ready to go. I mean, maybe, you know, it's, it's time. It's, it's good. They're, they're getting out when, when, the, when you uh, open the door, when you say go out. And for Noah, God was saying go out from the ark. Now, he was going out into a much different world than he had gone into. Now, think about that. The world was different now. There weren't all the people around any longer. And all that had been built up, it had been destroyed. And all the living creatures except what was on the ark, there was, there was none of them that were land animals or uh, they, were, they were all gone or, or uh, birds. They, they were gone. It was a much different world. When I, when I was coming through this text, I was thinking through with COVID Sometimes I want to I want to say let's let's quit talking about COVID and we will but but there was a time when we kind of went in and we went in protection mode. Many most churches across our nation shut down for a time period, and then the blessing of reopening. But I th- still think that we as Christians across our nation, there's a whole different level of what God is asking us to do, that we can stay kind of in a protection mode or we can see, God, what are you calling us to do now? So spring comes as things are settling down with all the flu and the colds and all of that stuff. And as we're moving toward Easter, God, what do you want us to do? What do how do we go out? God, who, who in our neighborhoods now do we need to invite to come? Who do we need to start building relationships with? Who can we begin to meet with and have spiritual conversations with, whether it's over coffee or whether it's over dinner? What do we need to do to start a Bible study? What do we need to do to re-engage the culture around us again? Do you feel some of that disengagement from the world around you? And... I'm not saying any of that's been wrong. I'm just saying for us. When I look at my life and I see, I don't know how much more time I'm going to have here on earth. Do I want to live it in the ark? Or do I want to go out and do what God's called me to do? Some of that is related to, as a church family, sometimes we can, we can just think of all of our Christianity in a building, and which very little of it's really a building. We, we meet together, but, but most of our faith is lived out outside of the building when we go home, we go to our neighborhood, and we go to work. God calls us to go out. This is a biblical term, go. And if we're going to make disciples, we have to go. And we have to baptize and we have to teach. There's a, there's a job to be done. There's an assignment that he's given. The words of faith, go. There's a level of trust. When you go, you might be rejected. 
When you go, you might put things at risk in your life. God has never promised us safety and security. He's just said, go. He, he has commanded us to be faithful to this task. And there are people around us who are lost. There's a generation that we've talked about that is waiting for the church to re-engage and to go again. We can be complacent and we can let life pass us by and we can let these next years be something we look back on and it's a waste of time in our lives. Go, go. He told Noah, go out from the ark and almost every saint that we read about in Scripture, there's a sense of going. And of course, Noah takes with him his wife and his kids and their wives. All that Noah had been obedient to God with had cost those around them, him too. When you're obedient, it always costs all the people around you. God asks us to do things that are uncomfortable, that are inconvenient. I'm sure there was a level of comfort that Noah thought, you know, maybe we should just hang out on this boat a little longer. It's, it'll be different in the world. I'm not sure I want to face what's going to be out there again. Recently, I heard a quote that's resonated with me. There are two things that people hate. People hate change, and they hate doing things the same old way they've always done them. <laughs> a little bit of a catch-22, right? God told Noah to go, and church, I think it's time that we open our doors up and we bring our neighbors in and invite them and we, we allow them to hear the gospel. And, but it's not just bringing them here and it's not just inviting them. We want you to anticipate that. We want to have the biggest celebration from Sunday to Sunday and even Easter itself. But the celebration isn't to reach lost people. The celebration is so that we go in the power and the glory of God and in the love that he's shown us and we share with the people around us. Again, we, we, we're more likely to forget God, aren't we? God never forgets us, but we tend to forget him. And so God put some things in place that we would not live in forgetfulness. So we observe the Lord's Day. Every Sunday we gather together. It's a refreshing time. It's a renewing time. It's an equipping time. It's a reflecting time. It's a, an energizing time as we sing unto God and praise Him and as we study the Word of God. God has specifically instructed us not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves. It's a time that we remember and we re-engage and God renews us then to go back out in the world. Think about observing the Lord's Supper. Not only the Lord's Day, but the Lord's Supper. It's a time that we remember. If for some reason we've gotten so caught up in the world that we forget all that God has done for us, and we gripe and complain because we have to give a little bit here or a little bit there, the Lord's Supper is a reminder to us of what all Jesus has done for us and what little bit we have to offer of our lives and the time that he's given us pales in comparison. You see, he's given him the words of faith, go so that he can do the works of faith. Notice down in verse 20. 
Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, took some of the, every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So those that came in sevens, there were animals to provide offerings. It was, it was obedience. He was taken seriously. There was responsibility. There was the walk of faith. He took some steps. There's the words of faith. The instructions go out. And now the works of faith, actually the offering and the worship and the building of the altar, that spoke volumes to his family around him. It spoke volumes of his own relationship with God that he built this altar and gave an offering unto God. Church family, he's worthy of you remembering him. He loves you, he never forgets you, but he's worthy of you remembering him and giving him a good offering. Our focus as a church, as we as we come together and as we remember him, it's that we would be a singing church to God, not just a receiving church. It would be that we would be a serving church. Not just a gathering country club type of church. It's that we would be a studying church, not just an entertaining church. It's that we would be a sending church, not just a spectating church. And do we have people who say, God, here am I, send me. Send me home to do what you've called me to do as a dad, as a Mom, as a husband, as a father, God, here I am, send me. Is it that when we come to the church, we're ready after we've worshiped this great and holy and worthy God that we say, God, here I am, send me back to my school, that I'll, that I'll be a witness to those who are around me. I will share the gospel and I'll live out the gospel at my school. Is it here am I, send me, God, to my neighborhood because I have neighbors who don't know you here am I, God, send me to my workplace. You see, we, we are missionaries right where God's planted us. We send missionaries all over the world, and I, I want to I, I be a part of that. God, send people all over the world. Send people outside of our own state. Send people within our state. Send people within our city. But the great majority of us, God's just sending you to your neighbor, sending you to the person you work with, sending you to the people God's already put in your sphere of influence. And we can be silent, we can sit back, we can not do this work that God's given us, but there's too much at stake. And we've been given an assignment. When I look at the world and I see where it's headed, I could say, you see how bad the world is? You see how wrong and, and how terrible and put a lot of blame on the world, but where does the blame really rest? On us. Because we have the good news. We have the truth. And God's told us to make disciples. Go and baptize and teach. Tonight, I want to spend a little bit of time with our men. As many of our men at Lawndale will come back tonight in this sanctuary, I just want to spend some time with you and talk about making disciples. My wife is going to have all the women. My wife, Donna, in the CLC is going to have all the women. As many of you will come back. If that's five, if it's 50, if it's whatever it is. Because we do not think we have enough time just to sit back and do nothing. It, it wouldn't be right anyway. 
You've been blessed, church. We've been blessed greatly, and God has commanded us to make disciples. Well, how do you do it? You do it by going. What does that mean for you? Baptizing, what does that mean for you? And teaching, what does that mean for you? And I believe it's applicable to every one of us, no matter if we're following Christ when we're under 10 or over 10. It's our job and our assignment. What does that look like? For you. So where are you this morning? Where are you? Are you in the storm? Noah was in that boat a long time. Some of that was while the storm was going on. Sometimes he didn't know partly what was going on. Some of the water was receding. But are you in the storm? Are you there at that place where you're wondering, has God forgotten me? And the enemy's trying to throw you all the lies. Well, there must not even be a God. God must not care about you. You're not important. All those lies that the enemy's trying to to plant in your mind. And God's saying, you're my child and I value you so much. I'm giving you some waiting time. I'm giving you some struggling difficulty so that I can supply in you what is lacking. Are you in the storm? Are you ready for the next step? How do you take the next step? You know, Noah could have just sat on the boat and said, God, I'm just tired of this. I'm giving up. He could have grumbled and he could have complained. I would encourage you with gratitude, with joy and not bitterness. God, what is the next step for me to be faithful and obedient to you? Are you listening for direction in the word, watching and praying? Are you living as an offering, when I, when I see Noah offered this offering, I know in the New Testament we read in Romans 12, uh, 1, that we should give our bodies as living sacrifices. That's, that's, yes, Lord, I'm ready, I'm available, I'm willing, not my will, but your will be done. One of my sons and his family They live in Durham and serve in a church there and came to us a couple of months ago and said, we think God may be calling us to another place of service. And we had no idea that he was talking about Colorado, near Denver, Colorado. And so for us, my first thought is, hey, you know, family needs to stick together. (laughs) And as I'm coming through Genesis, God just convicted me and Said, you know, you know where they tried to hold everybody together? You know, you know what happened then, the Tower of Babel? God forced them all. Okay, God, my hands are open here. You, you send. If you're sending, we want to be behind that, support that, love that. We'll probably make a trip or two to Colorado in the next couple of years. Hands open. God, this is your life. This is your time. I'm yours. I have nothing of my own. I can make no demands of my own. God, I'm yours. I've been bought with a price. My life is an offering unto you. I'm willing to give all to you and follow you no matter what. And what better motivation that he gave his all for us. Jesus left nothing on the field. He died on the cross for your sins. He paid a debt you could not pay. He died the debt that you deserved. And now, 
He's given you a certain amount of time to show your love for him. You'll never be able to earn it. You'll never be able to earn God's love. It's a free gift. But when you receive that free gift of love, there, there's this drive now. <laughs> say, God, you have loved me so much. I want to show my love to you. And we grow in our faith and we show our love and every opportunity of faith to do something different or to do what we've always done. It's, it's God, this is an opportunity for me to express my faith and to show my love for you and to step out in obedience. It's time to go out, church. God has not forgotten Wandale. And there are people that need to be found in our community. There are people that need the love of God. And God's given it to us so that we could share it with others. This morning, if you don't know that love of God, I'm going to invite you to receive that love. It's, it's not as simple as a prayer, but it is as simple as an act of surrender God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I accept the price he paid. He re- Thank you not only for his death on the cross, but the resurrection. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord. I surrender to his lordship. You, you see, you can do that. Surrender today. We're going to have pastors here, if you'd like to talk about that up front. Maybe you're in the middle of the storm and don't know what next steps to take and you want someone to pray with you. We will be up front at the altar in this song. We'll be available after the service. I'll be in Guest Central. We would love to pray with you and be of help in taking the next steps. Let's pray. Father, we trust you today, your sovereignty. You are in control. We have no doubts. Forgive us when we waver and Give heed to the enemy. But today we reaffirm our faith. We know you're in control and we pray that you'll help us now to take responsibility for the next steps of what you would have us to do. God, work in this place right now that we will not stay where we are, but that we will go with you. In Jesus' name.